We're coming in hot with inspiring guests, witty banter, and colorful commentary for today's veterans and military community. This is the Tango Alpha Lima Podcast. They call me crazy because I'm facing all my giants. They try to scare me into thinking I can't fight it. They tell me I should never even think of trying. But that's just me. I'm going to live out in defiance. All right, so welcome to the Tango Alpha Lima Experience. I'm Jeff Daly, and you see over there in the American Legion shirt, the glasses and the sassy short hair, that's Ashley Marie Gurbulja Maldonado, and we are ready to go. What do you think, Ashley? Thanks for noticing my haircut, even though it's pulled back. <laughs> if, you have any, uh, if you have any comments or suggestions for Ashley's haircut, you can send those at TangoAlphaLima at legion.org. But today, we have a great show. It's going to include not only an entertaining, insightful, knowledgeable, wise guest, but it's also we're also going to have the news of the weird, I'm told, in rapid fire. But first, we have some, we have some uh, big, important news that uh, Ashley wants to share. Yes, I do. It is about time, ladies and gentlemen. All right. So last month, President Joe Biden signed an executive order to make sexual harassment an offense under the Uniform Code of Military Justice. Jarek, can you please install a round of applause? Thank you. So bypassing stalled congressional efforts to criminalize such behaviors in the ranks. According to the White House officials, this executive order will also strengthen the military's response to domestic violence incidences and increase penalties for service members who share intimate visual Im images without permission. The move comes just weeks after lawmakers approved sweeping changes to how military sexual misconduct crimes are being prosecuted in response to years of complaints that Pentagon leaders were not properly handling those cases. They're, the working group will spend the next year coordinating on a plan to improve how those cases are handled and prevent harassment at VA facilities. In coming months, those cases will be handled by an independent branch of military prosecutors, rather though, the rather through the typical military chain of command. The new crimes included in the executive orders could also be handled by those independent lawyers. White House officials did not provide specifics ahead of the signing on the penalties for the new crime. Crimes will be so. We're, we're on watch. We're continuing to see what's going on in this case. I, for one, am pretty relieved that this is, this is finally like happening. Uh, well, no, I was, well, just gonna, I, was I, I think it's, it's interesting that it's not just covering, uh, because the, the problem isn't, isn't just with assault. The harassment is also uh, a big problem and uh, the, the sending of intimate pictures, I think probably covers a lot of terrain. Uh, unwanted Richard photography, if you will, as well as the sharing of somebody else's um, private moments without their permission are both covered. And it's super timely because our old friend Fort Hood uh, also recently has somebody under investigation for uh, making fun of sexual harassment in a TikTok video. Uh, it's, uh, it, and it's, it's the same, the same, the same day that this story came out, I read the other story about someone at Fort Hood on TikTok making fun of sexual harassment. Um, so this is timely and it's super duper important. 
I could not agree more. And uh, so we're gonna we're gonna leave that sort of uh, dishonorable activity, and we're going to go with somebody who is the epitome of honor and uh, loyalty, and as we'll find out, Americanism. We have a guest today who is amazing. He was born and raised in Albuquerque, New Mexico. Navy SEAL Steve Giblin joined the Navy in 1981 at the age of 17 for a four-year hitch that turned into a 28-year odyssey. His tender included, his tender, his tenure included over two dozen overseas deployment as an operator for contingencies and named operations within the U.S. Special Operations Forces, namely Navy Special Warfare and Naval Special Warfare Development Group. He rose to the level of chief, assault team chief and command master chief within the teams and then went on to work for Naval Special Warfare Command for nine more years as a contractor and civil servant before retiring in 2018. He now lives in upstate New York with his wife, Barbara, and is a member of American Legion Post 256 in Canandaigua, in a city that we will ask him how to pronounce later. Walking in mud, a Navy SEAL's 10 rules for surviving the new normal is uh, Giblin's memoir, where he draws on his military experience to offer wisdom and counsel and counsel others on how to cope in the post-pandemic war. Ashley, are you ready for this? Post-pandemic world, you got it. Let's do yeah. it. Yeah, and we're gonna talk with uh, we're gonna talk with Steve after this break. The American Legion is veteran strength in America. We are in your communities, supporting veterans, service members, and their families, enriching the lives of young people, and promoting citizenship and patriotism. Our members are passionate about these core values. Help strengthen America by joining the American Legion today. For more information, go to legion.org slash join. All right, we are back with retired Navy SEAL and author Steve Giblin. Welcome to the Tango Alpha Lima podcast. How are you today? Uh, doing great, thanks. Thanks for having me. I'm going to go ahead and introduce uh, my friend over there. That's Ashley Marie Gorbulja Maldonado. You are not tested on, on her name pronunciation. So <laughs> he's got a great one. He's got a great city name, though. So, Ashley, you are up first. All right. So, Steve, I read that you joined the Navy at 17 after, you know, two months of graduating high school. And uh, we won't say years, but after graduating high school at 17, you're at you're in the Navy. How do you get into the military journey that you are and become a SEAL? Take us on that. Take us on that journey. I was uh, so I was still in boot camp when I heard about the SEAL teams, and there was a guy that was giving us our physical screening test and or our our Navy's physical uh, fitness test, and he happened to be a SEAL. He was there on shore duty. Uh, I was in San Diego, so it was easy for him to be there, and uh, I did well enough to where he asked me what I was going to do in the Navy. I told him, and he said, "Well, have you ever thought about coming into the SEAL teams?" And I had no idea what the SEAL teams were. I didn't know. And so he showed me a movie, The Men with Green Faces. Uh, you can find it on YouTube still. It was a recruiting movie that they used to show all the recruits. Uh, at that point in time, I was hooked. I, that was all I wanted. But I still had an obligation to go to the fleet. They didn't change my orders. Uh, they basically told me there was a ship out there with my name on it. So I had to go and uh, I had to spend at least a year in the fleet before I can go to BUDS. Okay. So I'm not a Navy 
gal by any sort. So I'm, I'm army all the way. So what was, so, so you were obligated to go to the fleet. What was the job, I guess, that you were enlisted with like occupation? So did you still have to train with a specific occupation in mind while you're in that year in the fleet? And then you said you go to the SEALs or BUDS? So my responsibility was I was on the flight deck of the air, of an aircraft carrier, the USS Ranger. And I worked in the catapult and arresting gear division. And so I was in catapults and that was what we did. We launched aircraft. So made a seven, seven month deployment on the, on the aircraft carrier. And all during that time, um, my second responsibility was to stay in good enough physical condition to be able to take the screening test again, because you had to do it every six months in order to stay current and then submit the paperwork to go to BUDS. And that was a whole nother challenge in itself. So running that up through the chain of command and basically pleading with my chain of command to let me go uh, before my four-year term was up. I'm sure that was a interesting conversation. I'm sure many of your folks are like, oh, no. Just about every day. Just about every day. But I I had a great chief, uh, an E7 in the Navy that's chief. And they're kind of like, they're regarded as the backbone of the enlisted ranks of the Navy. And my chief, that guy supported me 100%. Uh, so he was, my, he was my one, you know, the steady Freddy that was always there to help me out. I think that's so important uh, for any of the folks that I've had the pleasure of interviewing. There's always that one person who's your champion. Uh, yeah. I, had a, I was lucky enough, even in my own career, to have several champions as I moved units and commands and whatnot. And uh, I, I think that's great. So, so you've gotten the approval process you're you're ready to go like what's like what is what's the next step look like so you get the approval your chief's got your bag yeah so i got my orders and i was allowed to leave after only a year on board ship which is unheard of uh during a first term first termer uh so i'm with the buds uh which was right down the street i was i was actually at north island naval air station where the carrier was home ported and BUDS and the West Coast SEAL teams are right there in Coronado. And it was about a mile and a half drive, two mile drive. Uh, I had a buddy drop me off because I didn't have a car and um, dropped me off at BUDS. And I expected to be greeted by, you know, seven foot tall monsters that were just going to crush me from the beginning. And that never happened. Uh, I got crushed, but they weren't by seven foot tall monsters. So. <laughs> Um, checking into BUDS was definitely an interesting, uh, interesting experience and going through BUDS was just as interesting. All right. So to continue on the, uh, to continue on the SEAL journey, you later, you became, you think you told me you became part of the, the selection process of selecting people? So I'm with the Naval Special Warfare Development Group after my first four years in the teams. And uh, Naval Special Warfare Development Group, or DEVGRU, uh, that's the, the Tier 1 unit, uh, Maritime Counterterrorism Unit, uh, that also primarily, uh, they develop a lot of tactics, techniques, procedures, and uh, equipment, and they're under JSOC, Joint Special Operations Command. Uh, so you go through another selection process. So I've, I've already gone through BUDS to get into the teams. Once I was in the teams, I went through Advanced Operator Training, which was another six months of training. Then after that four-year hitch in the teams, I then went to another team where I had another six-month training cycle or period where it was an assessment and selection course. And 
That is, you know, if you didn't make it, they sent you back to the SEAL teams. If you did make it, you were brought in, assigned to an assault team. And that's where you spent your time until you left. Uh, at one point after my first five years in the assault team, I had a training accident where I broke my back and uh, knocked unconscious as well. And I had to, I had to heal. So they sent me to the training cadre where I was at least able to stand on two feet and hold a whistle and blow it if I needed to, to stop live fire exercises or whatever. But uh, during that process, I was assigned to the training cadre for two years. And uh, that was, that was a great experience. I was also where I made chief, where I you know, was promoted to E7. Uh, and that was where my leadership experience started to grow. And as a leader, uh, transitioning from, you know, just a full-time follower to part-time follower, part-time leader, uh, like you and I were talking about before all this started recording. Right. So uh, again, just another learning experience in leadership. All right. Well, that's cool. So what, that's a perfect segue into moving into the second portion of our interview. We talked about your military experience and now it sounds like I heard just spatterings of six month training, six month training, six month training. You had a lot of training. So I, I think that you probably have a lot of information to share and, uh, and you've done so, you started that sharing with a book, Walking in Mud, a Navy SEALs 10 Rules for Surviving the New Normal. Tell us what we're gonna get when we read that. Uh, you're basically gonna get some metaphors uh, based off of my experiences and a couple of other people's experiences uh, in the military. Something that a lot of people outside the military don't understand and probably don't realize that uh, these human beings that are serving go through experiences that are similar and sometimes even more severe experiences than what you would go through in, the, in you know, civilian life. They're all interconnected and somewhat related. And there are ways to get through some of the, well, you know, what we might see as tragedies or challenges. Uh, you know, and a lot of times that's where we find the similarity. You know, people with PTSD, when you mention PTSD, people think, oh, you must be military. No, everybody can get PTSD, right? Um, you know, and it could just be from being in a horrific car accident, watching somebody die, or, you know, being in combat, you know, policemen, firefighters, EMTs, paramedics, you know, they, they experience the same, you know, frequency of, you know, all those emotions and everything's, you know, and experiences that we go through in the military, if you're deployed overseas, or even just training for war, training for combat, sometimes is a lot harder than the actual combat itself other than somebody's actually trying to shoot and kill you. Um, so it's a list of 10 things that a commanding officer from Underwater Demolition Team 21 wrote back in 1955. This was before the SEAL Creed, the SEAL Code, uh, or you know any of this. And it was interesting for me to read. I found this document my first couple of weeks in the, in the SEAL teams. Um, I held on to it. And I never really fully digested its meanings until I was in leadership roles. And when you break it down, and if you look up all these other, you know, and I'll, I'll reference uh, the Boy Scout oath, right? If you look at that and you compare that to the 10 essential qualities of an underwater demolition man, they are very, very similar. 
And these are just basic virtues that if everybody lived by a code that is just like this or the Boy Scout Oath, you'll do fine. You'll get through life very successfully. The basis of the book is around the 10 essential qualities. My metaphors, uh, you know, my experiences on, you know, my screw ups in the Navy and the teams, uh, you know, but also there's some successes. And there's also a story in there about, you know, one of my one of my best leaders that I ever had in the Navy period, my 28 years. Uh, this guy was just huge. He was a men among men, leader of leaders and uh, just an incredible human being. So there's a whole chapter based around Pete. Ashley, have a follow-up? Yeah, so in, in regards to being inspired, and you mentioned the Boy Scout, I'm a proud Girl Scout myself, and I think that there are some kind of equivocal organizations on that are not military that bestow some of these qualities, whether they're in youth, even with like, for example, some of our American Legion programs for under Americanism pillar, uh, our youth and programs and whatnot. But are there any other um, inspirational kind of like inspirational or motivational folks that, that you follow that you kind of have pulled from as you are kind of compiling things for your book to like just your everyday life and how you continue? Yeah, so as you start to pull the string and doing the research, to see if there's something else out there, like what you know, what you were attempting to write, or even based off the document, the one-page document that I wanted to be the central figure of the book, you start to realize that there are there are just reams of these one-page creeds, oaths, um, uh, God, you name it, you know, whatever you want to call it. Uh, I found something that was called the American Creed that was written in the late 1800s. They tried to implement it into, uh, you know, uh, you know that almost into law that every American would, you know, know this and recite it. And it was very similar to the Pledge of Allegiance, uh, but the American Creed actually speaks to, and it sounds like a lot of military creeds, uh, but it talks about loyalty to the country and, uh, you know, performing and holding up a standard, holding yourself to a standard. And I think that's what just about all of these oaths and creeds ever speak about. In the 1950s, the army wrote a complete manual. I think the army writes a manual on everything, you know, how to drink your coffee, how to lace your boots, right? Um, so there's actually a, a complete manual on character. And I downloaded this, you know, you can find it on the web uh, and it's, you know, you can download it in PDF and it's interesting. It's really interesting because it talks about character of men and how to, you know, how to be a good leader, how to be a great follower. And, uh, you know, so these kinds, these were the kind of things that I found. And I've, I've kind of, so I've got, uh, I've got an old Blue Jackets manual right here that's from 1946. And in it, it talks about being a good sailor and about being a good human being. But, you know, mostly about, you know, what it takes to be a successful sailor in the Navy. And then I found uh, the Scout Field Book. Uh, this one is from, I believe, this is from the 1950s and talks about all these same things, all these same virtues that I think if we were to go into schools right now and start talking about these things, it would almost be like a foreign language to a lot of the kids that are out there, a lot of the, you know, the younger adults 
and kids. And these are things that I don't believe are as instilled now as they were back when we were young or even back into the 1950s. The 1950s and the 1940s, I mean, there was this, this big movement of Americanism and nationalism and national pride after World War I and World War II. Um, you know, and Lieutenant Commander Kane at Underwater Demolition Team 21, he wrote these, these 10 virtues down that these were his expectations of his men, not just the officers, but of everybody in the team, enlisted and commissioned as well. So I think it's, you know, they're just, they're very wholesome virtues that aren't hard to follow. I think you, you raised an excellent point, Stephen. Um, and you mentioned like the World War One, World War II. A lot of people don't know that the American Legion, um, a lot of our programs, Americanism programs, uh, came out of the need to establish a form of like nationalism. Like, hey, this is what the American flag stands for. This is why, or, you know, this is why, you know, for whatever reason, for example, um, the American baseball team came out of a need for health and wellness. Hold on one moment. Both of my girls are being reunited. No, excuse my dogs. But Jeff, I'll swing it over to you and I'll go on mute. <laughs> All right. So, yeah, I was, uh, was going to say, it sounds like a lot of these things do have some parallels with our Americanism program, which it, for a lot of Legionnaires, it's really tough to define as someone is, you know, when you're going through your four pillars, what does Americanism mean? And I think uh, your, your book might be uh, a guide towards understanding what that is. So do you want to go out, speaking of Maryland, do you want to give your post a shout out so that you can yeah, say the uh, name of this, so you can name this name of the city properly? <laughs> American Legion Post 256, Canandaigua, New York. All right, I'm going to try it. Ready? Canandaigua. There you go. You nailed it. It's an All right, Indian perfect. Name. So, speaking of the book, how do we get? How do we? How do we get this book? And is it? It's available just about anywhere online. Uh, you know, and everybody always, you know, oh, I'll just go to Amazon. It's also Target, Walmart, online. You could order books. Books a million. Barnes and Noble. Uh, just about any online. Uh, you know, bulk store. I mean, it's the list of places that the book is available is unbelievable. I didn't realize there was that many. And then also direct from the distributor, Simon & Schuster. And you can also order through uh, Post Hill Press, my publisher. Can we, can we order it from you and get an autograph copy? <laughs> I, you know what? I could send you an autograph copy. Uh, email that, me your... Uh, well, I want to order it. I mean... A, a seal's got to get up, paid. You'll end, up, you'll end up paying triple, you know. So by the time we end up paying for postage and handling and get it to me, and I sign it and I put it back in the mail, sure. Well, we I'm sorry, I mean, I mean it, a seal's got to get paid. So I got. I want to buy it from you. Fish aren't free. So you got to get a seal fed. So uh, I want to thank you for being on the show. I definitely. Uh, we're adding this to the reading list. I've been trying to talk uh, Ashley into starting a book club for all of our our uh, super smart. He's not wrong. All of our super smart guests who uh, write books. I'm a Marine. I, they, nobody wants to read Crayon. But uh, so I really, I really admire that you're able to take all that you've learned, 
put it into another medium where you're now teaching and passing it along to the greater wider world, including us. And I thank you for doing that with us here today. So thank you so much. And I, uh, again, all I can say is, is thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate you guys having me on. So you were discharged with a 20% disability rating, but now you can't hear so well and need help. Contact an American Legion service officer. Service officers are free of charge and they help all veterans. Find one near you with our online tool at legion.org forward slash service officers. All right, everyone. So we are back and as you all may know, it's time for rapid fire. Pew, 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 pew. All right, we're going to start with rapid fire number one. This is an abandoned Air Force radar station in South Dakota, and it's for sale on Facebook. This comes from taskandpurpose.com. The 42-acre property outside of Gettysburg, South Dakota, complete with 50 bedrooms and 15 baths, is being listed for sale by owner Lev Gaukasian, a retired businessman from California, uh, on Facebook Marketplace, on Facebook Marketplace for 14 point, or I'm sorry, for 4.5 million. While first sergeants would be horrified at the unmowed grass and unpainted rocks, the land still contains former barracks, operations centers, a mess hall, among other buildings, some of them connected by an underground tunnel. Ashley. It sounds like the future site of a cult. It just, that just doesn't, just doesn't compute with me right now. I can't believe it's on Facebook Marketplace. Just casually as I scroll through my algorithm. How would you like to know a private previously military, you know, installation could be yours for the nominal price of $4.5 million. Like, I think Jump on this deal now, now, now. Now, 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 Sunday, Sunday sale. I think of Facebook Marketplace as like a garage sale and I've never been to a garage sale where I would spend four point five million dollars now the cult thing they're gonna have to get away with it because there's still uh there's still uh government buildings all around it so they're only selling one piece so there we go all right rapid fire number two new committee to help improve care for native american veterans this is from military times veteran affairs secretary dennis mcdonough who we interviewed before here in tango Lima, tasked his agency's new advisory committee on tribal and indian affairs with helping the va take more innovative approaches to serving native american veterans good move ash absolutely there's no brainer no brainer I'm excited that this newly created panel, which is one of 27 VA advisory committees, has met in previous you know weeks to advise the VA on everything from COVID efforts to homeless among American Indians and Alaska Native American veterans. And it's 15 members of Native American veterans, like each from different tribal nations. So representation matters, it's important, and kudos to the VA. Yay. All right, so I have nothing to disagree with you there. Oh my gosh, I just said that recorded. Yes, you did. Oh, it's beautiful. Mark your calendars, it? friends. This is now a new holiday. This is Jeff not disagreeing <laughs> with Ashley Day. I, I, do you have any, uh, do you have any shout outs today? You know, I don't know if I have necessarily shout out per se. I've really been like, I, I'm, I need some folks to start sending us in some, some love notes and some feedback because you guys got to give me something something to to engage with i gotta i gotta see what's going on and i can directly answer those questions in this slot because wow. that's what i'd like to use it for all right 
Well, this airs right before Valentine's Day, so I'm going to shout out to her, to she who has not made herself known to me yet. But also, I'm going to give a shout out to the Writers Guild of America. They have a great uh, program for veterans to be screenwriters. This program is free. It's a year long. It even includes matching with a mentor who is already working in the business. Uh, I assume Holly will put the link in. It's the Veterans, veterans Writing project if you don't want to read down below so go to the veterans writing project and you too can be an amazing screenwriter in hollywood uh all right so ashley take us on start taking us on out oh it's me first don't forget to subscribe to the tango alpha lima podcast on youtube apple Podcasts, spotify or wherever you consume podcasts that's right, Jeff. So please leave us a review and give us five big old star rating so that the world knows how much you love us this time around Valentine's Day. And I don't know, I guess send some love to Jeff too. He needs it. Go on, Jeff. No, you got you to gotta tell us about <laughs> if somebody wants a guest recommendation. They want to matchmake us. That is true. That is true. Cupid's love arrow, sending love arrows your way. Um, let's see if you know of anyone that is interested in being on the show, you have a guest recommendation, go to legion.org backslash tango alpha Lima. That's right. Legion.org backslash tango alpha Lima and click on the suggest a guest link. We look forward to your recommendations. Send it, send in that link for someone you love or you know, some of you love yourselves. So you can send a link in for yourself as well. Uh, with that, I am Jeff Daly with Ashley Marie Gorbulja Maldonado and super producer Holly behind the scenes declaring season three, episode 92, Mission Complete.